Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Last week, our panel discussed the truth that God is a God of grace. He has given humanity a gospel of hope for the world. Today, we plan to unpack the great need we have to respect and reverence God. The book of Revelation gives us a message of warning about end times, but it is also a message of hope for those who have the faith of Jesus and keep his commandments. I'll be back in a moment to introduce today's topic and your panel members. On our panel today, we have Rosemary Malkovich and Gail Fong. Good to have you with us, ladies. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. But before we begin, let's take time to pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we just want to commit this program to you. We thank you that you are our guide in all things in life. And we pray that you'll be here by your Holy Spirit to bless in our discussion and bless our listeners and viewers too, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, I'd like to get our discussion going by reading a text from the, the, uh, the Apostle Peter. And this is in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. It's a rather dramatic text, I think. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Um, you know, the Bible often talks about the end of the world, Rosemary. Um, is this idea generally uh, treated with respect in the world? Uh, no, it's not. It can be used as a bit of a joke that people use um, the end of the world idea. It has been the topic of many movies in Hollywood and um, also cartoons and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but it's very important if we look at some more verses there in Second Peter 3 and we get a bit more of an idea of what he's saying there and the times in which we're living. Verses 3 and 4, Peter writes, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, he's saying here that, you know, we're living in the days when this is happening. You know, this is exactly what Peter had written. But we go back to the days of Noah. Jesus said that he, before he comes, the earth will be in, as the days of Noah. And when Noah was preaching to the people and building the ark, he was being scoffed at. Yeah, I'm sure he, he had was his, being his mockers badly. in his day. And if we go on to verses 5, 6 and 7, we'll see how that happened. Uh, for this, says Peter, they are willingly forgetful, or the King James says, willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, that's creation and the water standing out of the water and in the water, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Well, that's Noah's flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So that's the end of time. It's going to be fire. 
And when you really think about it, if you were in a building that was on fire, would you just get out and leave everybody else in there? No, you would call everybody else. Yeah. There's a fire. Let's get out. Message, and you? yes, you would mm. give them warning message. Do you expect them to to follow you out of the fire? Well, you hope they would. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll perish. And so we are to give this warning message to the world today, even though most people will scoff. Most people will think of it, of it as a joke. Mm. Yeah, in, in the last ep episode of Let God Speak, uh, we looked at the first angel's message in Revelation 14, and that talked about the everlasting gospel going to all the world. Um, Gail, is there a specific message to be given? Well, yes, there is a specific message that, fo that follows that verse in verse 6. And verse 7 says uh, that um, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So here the angel, he's speaking with a, a loud voice, with a great voice. And in the Greek, as we translate that into the English, it's like a bit loud megaphone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember on playgrounds, the teachers would have these megaphones so that everyone could hear on the playground. Mm. And thus, this is giving us a clue that this is such an important message that God does not want us to miss it. And God uses this same word for great in other places in the book of Revelation, thus to describe a great city or um, a great sword, or there are other places he uses this word for emphasis. And so it's very important that we take heed to this message because this message is to go to the whole world with a loud voice. It is for everyone to take mm. note. Yeah, and Rosemary, when it says uh, we're to fear God, the angel says fear God, um, what does that mean to you? Um, well, in the world today, when we think about the word fear God, we're thinking about trembling, something to be afraid of, something oh, catastrophic is going to happen, something dangerous. Um, but that is not the context of the Bible. In fact, just going back to the Bible, um, Wycliffe, when he wrote his Bible, he put dread. But that's still not the actual idea of the yeah, Bible. It sounds pretty ominous, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> we are to reverence God. We are to be loyal to God. We are to have full surrender, confidence in God. We are to remember who he is compared to who we are. He is a holy God. We are sinful man. That's more what it's talking about. But that's mentioned many times in Proverbs and um, Psalms to fear God, to fear the Lord. And just some examples of what it means to fear the Lord. In Psalm 33, 8 and 18, it's talking about standing in awe of him and trusting in his mercy. In Psalm 34 and 7, uh, verses 7 and 9, God provides for those who fear him and he delivers them from trouble. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8, 13, those who fear God depart from evil. They hate evil. This is a completely different idea to our idea of fear. Jesus said we are to hallow the Father's name. That is to mm. reverence the Father's name. And there's a quote from Ellen White that says, we are never in any manner to treat lightly the titles or appellations of the deity the angels veil their faces in his presence. That's from the Thoughts of the Mount of Blessing, page 106. And the same idea is expressed in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2. We are to bow before God. 
Mm. Well, speaking of Isaiah, um, I wonder if you'd like to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14. And here in verses 13 and 14, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, uh, we get a picture here, like a metaphorical picture of, of Satan or Lucifer. Uh, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. This is a real ego trip, isn't it? <laughs> I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Um, we notice this this word "I" coming through quite a bit there. And Gail, the the attitude of of Lucifer or the devil is really not one of respect, is it? Definitely not. He certainly has tickets on himself here. And when you contrast his character, his attitude with that of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, we just discover it's just so opposite. Um, And uh, as you pointed out there, uh, the I, 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 I syndrome that comes through. Um, But when we look at the character of Christ and the attitude of Christ, we go to Philippians uh, chapter 2, and I'm just reading verses 6 and verse 8. And um, the Bible says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. I added in verse seven and being uh, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So from one who's exalting self to one who is totally selfless, Mm. the contrast is just like night and day. So Lucifer was so intensely focused on self and selfishness and his own self with as that contrast. And and it's put this way in a little statement, which I'd like to share. It'll come on the screen. It says his, that is Lucifer's, intense self-centeredness contrasts with the generative or bounteous attitude of the creator, characterized as a giver who blesses and enhances the lives of others. And that quotes by Stanley E. Patterson from Biblical Foundations of Christian Leadership, Part 1, uh, 1st September 2016, Andrews University. So, They're just opposites, God and Lucifer, as opposite as night is to days, black is to white, as goodness is to evil, as one who's so selfless and and epitomizes love to the extreme to one who is selfish and degenerative and just the opposite. Mm, Yeah. And and the verse before the ones you read from Philippians says we're to be like that ourselves. Let this mind be in you. Yes. which is also in Christ Jesus. Um, Rosemary, can you think of any other elements in what it means to fear God? Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 2. And it says, Moses wrote, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Now, there's a few points in that. One of them is that A well-ordered home has children who are obedient to their parents because they love their parents and that's what they love to do. And it's essential 
for that family to be able to survive. But we note in this verse too, it says to pass on this information to the children and the children's children. Um, then there's also the promise, if you do this, you will have a long life. And if we read Psalm 119 verse 74, um, we get another picture there from the psalmist. Psalm 119 and verse 74. And it says, those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. So the fear of the Lord actually brings unity and gladness and family relation between people. Mm. So Gail, what is the, um, uh, the role of, of the grace of God? You know, we often read about God being a God of grace. What, what part does that play? Without grace, we have no hope. But here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through to 10, um, Paul writes about it. And he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the Bible tells us that we are saved uh, by grace through faith. So we're no longer under the condemnation of the broken law because we have a saviour whom we don't deserve this, this salvation. We don't deserve this grace, but because of God's loving kindness, because of his favour, because of his goodwill and his selflessness, and he is God, a God, he is love. Uh, so he has, he offers us this, but this does not mean that we are free then to, um, from the responsibility of keeping God's requirements. We are under greater obligation because we're under grace. And what will show that our love is there will be, there will be the good works, mm. the good works of an obedient heart, an obedient life, because God is giving us the strength and the power to live for him. Yeah. And Rosemary, I know you're a singer and you, you may have even sang that song, Were It Not For Grace. I don't I know do where like I'd that. be. I do mm. like Beautiful that. Hymn. Yeah. Beautiful song. Um, so, you know, Rosemary, some people say, well, look, really all I need is Jesus. Um, and in one sense that is true, but is it indeed all we need? I, I actually wonder who or which Jesus, the people who say that really know and believe in, because Jesus' life showed us and he said himself that he obeyed his father. He did everything his father told him to do. And it's the same with us. Here's our example and we are to do the same. It's like saying, I claim to be a citizen of such and such a country, but you don't want to observe the road rules. You don't want to pay your taxes. You don't want to do any of the, the things that that nation says that you need to do as a good citizen. And that's how these people seem to behave as Christians. We've got to remember that God's grace not only delivers us from the... Um, from guilt and sin, but it delivers us from the power of guilt and sin and allows us to be obedient and godly. Um, I, I think about Matthew 7, 24 to 27, Jesus talks about the wise man who built his house upon the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus said the wise man is the one who heard and did. Mm -hmm. The foolish man only heard. He didn't do. 
And those people who say that all you have to do is believe in Jesus remind me of that parable. But if we just look at Romans 1 verses 5 and 6, this is what Paul wrote. Um, he said here, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom ye, you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Here he is saying that that grace leads to obedience, not from it. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the problems uh, that we face in the world is there are lots of satanic distractions, aren't there? And uh, mm. Gail, can you, uh, what kind of d distractions appeal to the ego, to the self? Self-centeredness is something is that we've inherited from Adam and Eve. And we go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 and um, verse 6, where this began here. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate and thus began. So appetite and coveting, this, uh, these were the issues then for Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve, they take on then the, uh, they've inherited this self-centeredness or this characteristic of Satan, of course, which we all as a human race have fallen under this same power, the power of the evil one. So this also shows that um, this um, self-centeredness, it shows up in today. For instance, in the love of money, the love of power, the love of possessions, um, all about self. And of course, the media is all about port portraying that as well. And they, uh, uh, they come to our senses, what we see, what we hear uh, through um, advertisements on the television, for instance, using the rich and the famous to promote and to influence us towards selfish um, desires. Of course, there are some, there is one company that stands out and that's Cadbury. Uh, and from its humble beginnings, which were all about um, generosity and um, keeping that, um, that, that aspect in, in them, that they have put ads on the television where they are promoting altruism or just showing kindness, that Christian kind spirit. And of course, altruism begins with fearing God. So mm. thinking of others, which mm, is not portrayed in the media today. Um, I'm interested in what Jesus had to say in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 33. He kind of prioritizes things here, really, doesn't mm. he? He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And he's talking about, you know, clothing and eating and all that sort of thing. Um, so, so what is Jesus saying here, Rosemary? What, what's the underlying principle that, that he's stating? Well, let's look at uh, Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So this goes with Matthew 6.33. We are to keep our mind on heavenly things, not on the earthly. Make God, serving God, more important in our lives than trying to get riches and fame in this life because the things in this life are fleeting. The things of God are eternal. 
Um, and it all, we have to make God the centre, not self the centre of our lives. And let's look at Philippians 2, verse 5 also, because this is important for all of this too, because we're told here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Satan works through our minds, but God also speaks to our minds. Mm. It is the place where all this goes on. Yes. And Jesus was humble. He was obedient. He was filled with the love of God, whereas Satan was filled with himself. Satan coerces and he deceives and lies. And Jesus draws people to himself. There's a quote from Jill Swerzer which says, in the message of the three angels of Revelation, we see a face-off between coercion and love. In Jesus, the servant of servants, God established his kingdom on a foundation of sacrificial love. He, was, he has won our trust and we obey him. Mm. That's the way that God works. Yeah. Yeah. Let this mind be in you. It's good mm. advice from Paul. Um, allowing... Um, or letting the mind of Jesus be in us, that's easy then, is it, Gail? Uh, well, when we consider that God has made us and that we belong to him, just reading scripture in First uh, Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, uh, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, in fact, we belong to God twice because he not only created us, but he has redeemed us. He has paid for the penalty for our sins on Calvary's cross. And when we also read uh, Romans, Romans chapter 12, And verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, here, uh, Paul is um, speaking here is a, of a complete surrender because we're trusting in God. And um, yes, with our whole being, being transformed. And that's the work of God in our hearts. Yeah. And in fact, I think there wasn't there an early um, uh, paraphrase, you know, like J.B. Phillips paraphrase, where he says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I, I particularly remember that paraphrase. It's mm. kind of quite a graphic sort of picture. So this idea not being conformed, but to be transformed, you know, the the actual change in the life. Um, So, Rosemary, in the uh, second and third angels' messages of Revelation 14, uh, we have the the fall of false religion in the the figure of Babylon, and then the the judgment on those who worship the beast and his image. And and, uh, what group emerges in contrast to this picture. Okay, Revelation 14 verse 12 is the one you're talking about. It says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And we see there's two points about this group that they all have. 
they keep the commandments of God and they have the faith of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yes, it's an essential combination um, that's there. And so when uh, John said, um, go have the the faith of Jesus, he could have said the faith in Jesus too, couldn't he? Which would be quite uh, relevant. Uh, But what does he mean by saying the faith of Jesus? Well, the Greek's not completely clear there. Um, It could mean the faith that comes from Jesus, or but more likely it is having a faith that is like that of Jesus. And um, if we read Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So here, Jesus overcame Satan by faith in the word of God. And um, we can be overcomers by the grace of God too, because Jesus defeated the devil and we can have victory. Victory Mm. is ours in Christ. So how does that work in practice, Rosemary? Okay, let's go to Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. And it is written here, seeing that that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain grace and find grace to help in time of need. God has promised that in every situation we are in, all we have to do is call on him. We just have to say, God, help me, because he knows what we're going through. He has been through it himself. And it means any time, just call out to God and he will help you. Mm. Yeah, now, uh, one of the words that comes through quite often in the book of Revelation is the word overcome. Um, so what does it, does it mean by that, overcoming? Yes, well, reading in Revelation 21 and verse 7, it says there, uh, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Yes, that word comes through and also to the seven churches in the beginning, he that overcomes. Just reading this little quote here um, that will help us because the crown of life is at stake. And this quote from Ellen White, uh, which writes of the believer, she says, he is not left to battle with temptations and trials in his own strength. Help has been laid upon one who is mighty. Jesus left the royal courts of heaven and suffered and died in a world degraded by sin that he might teach man how to pass through the trials of life and overcome temptation. Here is the pattern for us from Testimonies for the Church, volume 5, page Mm. 31. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, As usual, we've run out of time, but thank you, Rosemary and Gail. We've been listening to Gail Fong and Rosemary Malkovich, and I'm Clive Nash. You know, the promise of an eternal inheritance is still true today and even more relevant than at any other time in earth's history. If you feel unworthy of God's gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus, then you're on the right path to giving glory to God. Those who feel self-important have no room for Jesus in their hearts. Here on Let God Speak, we encourage you to let God work in your life to his glory and praise. We're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you are blessed by this program, why not tell your friends? Remember, 
All past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.